Today on Compassion Radio. Even every time my spirit is going down and my face, I'm like, I'm feeling that I'm lack of that. You see something that inspires you and gives you the ability yeah. that's still going on. There is like a group of doctors that have been without rotation more than 10 months. 10 months on the front line. 10 months because there is nobody to change them. Back on Compassion Radio today with me is the wonderful Oksana Gorbanova. She shared a whole lot about what Frontline's ministry and relief work looked like in Ukraine last year. And, of course, we haven't had a chance to get an update. But I've seen you, Oksana, pop up a number of times in other people's media. And I know you're out there very active right now, and your husband's serving full-time at the front. So your family is full in on serving your country and serving the kingdom of God. So welcome back to Compassion Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you. It is good to see your face. It's good to see you healthy and well. Since we haven't talked in a year, the first thing I'll ask is, how did the project for the working farm and hostel and relief center for internally displaced peoples, which would be like refugees, but within the country of Ukraine, how did that project work itself out? It still like exists, if you mean that, but we're still working on it. Mm-hmm. It's ups and downs. It's like normal life, right? And, yes. and like with support and everything, we're still working on the construction, not as fast as we would love to. Yeah. But actually, there is changes with the families as well. So we moved out from that sanatorium because we were not able to pay for all the utilities and uh-huh. for all that number of people. But actually, some families who can, they're going back. If they still have at least something left, like houses and apartments, because some people are afraid you know, just to lose it. There is like interesting mentality for Ukrainians. It's hard anywhere right now in Ukraine, mm-hmm. but at least when you have like your like roof above your head and, you know, the walls that you know and the community, you know. So if people have a chance and there is not active fights or fire, they're going back. So we have about 30 families, like full families left. Okay. We rent them houses in the same location around the farm they still supporting and working on the farm regarding the construction we're trying to use any sources or any opportunities we can so there is like some businessmen can come and provide construction materials or some physical help with the hands and people so we're like step by step we're adding brick by brick we're adding to that construction so we're moving not as fast but we're moving. Okay. It seems to me that the supply chains for trying to actually construct out some kind of safe housing and the industrial part of a farm would not be easy in a war zone. And unfortunately, no matter where you look in Ukraine now, each sector of a country has its own war front. They're facing either yes. missile attacks or infantry. It depends on where you are in the country, the kind of battle that you're facing. And so the people that have kind of coalesced around the farm that you have built out for this purpose, you found the safest corner, so to speak, of the country you could find. And you have people pouring in resources as God has enabled them to do that. And I assume that most of them are probably within the country, although you do have a number of international sponsors as well. What has been the hardest thing about getting supplies and materials in for you to build out this center? Um, I think the financial probably is the most important because, I mean, being realistic, we can find any material or anything supplies in the country. 
if you have the money to pay for it then yeah. we have the volunteers and even the refugees they're ready to work and that's what they do they're ready to do whatever is possible to you know as soon as you have the material they're ready to to do the construction, they're working on the land, they're working on the farming and everything. That's actually how we run the farm. Yeah, We have the property and we have a big plant and I don't know if it's actually right to talk about because we don't know how long the war will go but we really see that as a Christian community that we can use, you know, that property that can be used for like kids camps or retreats or even for some veterans rehabilitation because the location is pretty nice and, you know, the natural is there and the lake. And I mean, the property can use in, in, in many different ways. And we are kind of have an idea, but probably scared to put it on the paper or yeah. to make like exact plans because, the first thing I think we need to go step by step. So the first thing we need to finish the construction so people have where to live and then we will move on with all the other ideas. Well, I think it's always smart to have a plan for what comes after. And you are a very hopeful and optimistic person. So you see what can be and you don't see a dead end in the things you do. You expect God to multiply the effort and to send something into the future or next generations that will make a difference for the kingdom. And that's what I've always appreciated about you is your expectation that God will make good on the work of his people. So I'm glad for that. But I I think you're probably right in being cautious that you don't want to dream a dream in your mind so big that everyone around you gets scared. They're just thinking day to day. And that's fair too. Most people are dealing with the trauma of the loss. That's how they ended up in your backyard, literally, and you built out this, we would call it probably a, a kibbutz or a commune in the West, a cooperative community where people, for the time that they're there, contribute the best of their skills and abilities to help you build something that will last. So I want to dream with you, too, that this facility will become a place of refuge and of the gospel reaching new generations of people in the years to come. And so we'll pray it that way. I wanted to add, like, uh, this is actually the question that we talked with uh, Fred last meeting. Actually, I cannot call myself like a person of faith, because, hmm. and I will explain why. And probably God knows that, because it always works <laughs> in my, my way. Because, like, you know, there is some people which they have, like, 3 or 5% of anything. And they, like, move on with the faith for the rest 95. I cannot do this. Hmm. So, I don't know, my face is not big enough or I'm too practical in life. But to start anything or move on or doing any effort against something, I need to have enough to yeah. understand that it's possible. <laughs> I do. I understand so, you. And Virginia, the my partner in this farm, so he's a dreamer. So yeah. he's like that kind of person who having five, he can take the rest with the face. And I'm the one that I need to have at least half or like 60, 70. <laughs> and I can take I do rest. understand. So I'm always stopping him like, no, no, Jenny, we can't yeah. start it. We need to finish this. Or no, we need to make a plan first and then we need to move. Or you cannot do any agreement before we don't have the material. You know, like you can't promise people if you don't have money to pay for it. So I'm kind of... Okay. Oksana, <laughs> I understand your personality 100%. What I would say is for anybody looking in from the outside about the work you've done in the past two years, nobody but a person of faith would even attempt to do the things you've done. I understand your practical nature and that you don't want to overpromise or you don't want to underdeliver. 
you have a heart for actually meeting real needs and have people understand how they've been helped and be part of the healing process that your country desperately needs and will need for generations. Your faith is a practical faith. You put into action literally the things you say you believe. And you've taken that risk. You're on the road constantly bringing relief to the front lines, ministering to those who have great needs and evacuating people that can't get out any other way. You're doing the work. So I want to honor you for that. I think our listeners need to understand that they are practical people whose faith is what they do. And that's what I think is the most distinctive thing about the kind of work you do, Oksana. You are acting in a way that is faithful. It's kind of like that story where Jesus says, which one of the sons obeyed his father? The one that said, yes, yes, of course I'll help. Or the one that said, forget this. I want to have no part of this. And yet he reconsiders later and steps up quietly and does the thing his father asked him to do. However you arrived at this place where you are serving the kingdom, I'm grateful. And I'm proud of you for it. Now, as far as the cost of actually building things out, I imagine from what I saw back six years ago, materials were still very expensive in your country and import-export was still a, a difficult thing. And there was lots of corruption in the economic sector, grafting out a whole bunch of the wealth of the country. And it was leaving the country who knows where. Mm-hmm. So everything was very expensive from gasoline to lumber to bricks. I don't imagine that during a war that the cost of things has gone down. What's it like now? How much would a two-by-four of lumber or a brick or something cost for you now? Prices went up um, in everything, even food, because the exported problem right now and more people displaced and moving right. between the regions. And, you know, it just and the farming stopped. And some regions, Ukraine are pretty rich with the fields and the farming, mm. but because right. of some regions being under occupation, so it stopped. And and one of the like huge problems that Ukraine have and will have for the generations is the mine territory. Because mm-hmm. it's about 75% of the Ukraine are mined by Russians. So that means that the, the fields and the forest and you know the natural sources we cannot use because of that. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. And now, back to the broadcast. One of the like huge problems that Ukraine have and will have for the generations is the mine territory. Because mm-hmm. it's about 75% of the Ukraine are mined by Russians. So that means that the, the fields and the forest and, you know, the natural sources we cannot use because of that. Until that mine clearing happens, you're going to be stuck with limited access to your own land when the war ends. Exactly. And we cannot focus on the demining right now because we have right. active fights right now. So we still do work on that, but not as fast as we would love to. So, Your greatest resource, I'm sure, at this point is this resilience that the people will not give up. And this is their home. 
you started already to talk about the faith, and I think that now it's probably can be even the main topic of our conversation. Because the faith, this is the main question for lots of people right now. This mm-hmm. is what we came to, and I'm talking about not only faith in God. I'm talking about faith in love and faith in humanity, faith in the victory, faith in everything. Because like it's been like two years of the war, and people giving up. I mean, people getting tired, we lost lots of people, like almost every second family lost someone. I'm working on front lines and I'm working in kind of like civilian life. So I can see the two opposite sides. Sometimes even for me, when I'm coming back from the front lines, it's really hard for me to switch my head to the normal life in Kiev. It's not normal. We still have the air alerts and the attacks almost like every second day, but it's nothing compared to the front lines and nothing what the people experience on the front lines. For example, even like volunteers, there is lots of volunteers got tired and those who are still survived till now, they're working like fully 24-7 for free doing everything that they do and actually there is no official numbers but at about like 50-60 percent of the army it's provided by volunteers you know by, yes. by people and our politicians are doing sometimes a crazy stuff and like for example on the 1st of December there is a new law game that like regulation of bringing any humanitarian aid to Ukraine. Hmm anything, deliver anything to the units or to the militaries, we get the official request from them with the list of things what they need. And and it's like with everything, like medicine, protection, material on the front line. The things that get used up or destroyed in the process. Yes. And now they made this regulation which actually makes impossible people that are not legally registered as a fund to provide any help. But huge part of work volunteers, it's like your brother loved the country, like my my mm. brother relatives left the country, but they still feel the pain for the country. So they collect money where they are, or like you know, brothers, sisters, churches, whatever. They collect money there or buying the tourniquets or any medicine, they send them to us and we distribute to the militaries. Yes, they're not a fund, but they are people who want to help. And now it's become like almost impossible for them. And the same thing, like all the donations came down because like it's been two years and it's understandable. Everybody is like running out of resources. Yes. For example, like I have a really cool unit right on the zero line and they asked me uh, for the vehicle just to use for them you know, right. for the unit. And I started the collection in Instagram, you know, in the, my social networks. And actually it worked before. It's going so slow. And that's why I'm telling that even like face, this is the main question. Like for volunteers face that we still can work and not give mm. up. So we still can help those under our support. They want support from us and people in front line, they want to see that people in civilian life are supporting them. And yes. when they hear all the laws taking care, that the help of the other countries are going down and we're not going to survive. I mean, we can survive, but our unity, our spirit and our, but it's going down when you see that all the rest are not doing anything. America approved yesterday another person of the help. But the thing is right now that we can win. I mean, I don't believe we're going to win, but it's possible only when the all parts will unite together. And all parts, I mean, the military, they do their work already on the front lines and they will stay to the end. I still believe and I'm still agree with Zelensky. 
Russians have the option they can go home. Yes. It's our home. We don't have options. We don't have where to go. And especially on front line, there is like fathers, husbands, grandfathers who are fighting for the family or those who love the family and they don't have anything to lose anymore. So there, there is like enough passion, but we need some provision to do this. Somehow supported by the rest of the people. My last trip to the zero line and Actually, I was in the Donetsk region, and there is only one stabilization point uh, when all the wounded are bringing to that point. And, and I'm always, I probably told you the last time that even every time my spirit is going down in my face, I'm like, I'm feeling that I'm lack of that. You see something that inspires you and gives you the ability yeah. to still going on. So I come in there, and there is like a group of doctors that have been without rotation, more than 10 months. I mean, they wow. they're front line. 10 months on the front line. 10 months because there is nobody to change them. And, uh, and there is wow. patients. They are the main, main doctor we were delivering them the evacuation pickup. So this is a guy that I know many years. He finished the seminary where I was studying. And he used to be in civilian life, the ambulance doctor. So he's like, he's professional. But so we deliver this case of the evacuation, pick up them. And they have this stabilization point and they get in wounded soldiers like 24-7 and they're working. And this is the example that I'm telling in civilian life. Like you getting tired of donations. You getting tired of like me all, always asking for help. Can you imagine if they will say that they got tired? Like they, they got the wounded yeah. soldiers and say, oh, I'm sorry, I cannot help you because I got tired. You know, like it's just yeah. impossible. You come there, they live like, you know, the frontline conditions, but at the same time they brought 14, I guess like it was like 14 dogs and eight kids. They brought from the zero line. They saved them from the fire and they keep like a cats and dogs farm <laughs> there. And it's like you see <laughs> that humanity. I mean, it's a simple thing, but you see that ice, you see that humanity. And actually, it's amazing what the soldiers do on the front lines, living in nothing. And they they keep saving the animals. They keep doing, you know, this, this piece of the good things that, that keeps your heart still human. And I don't know, this is a small example that still amazing me. Nothing like about this Oksana is small. Nothing. Yes, now, yes. now, the closest thing I think that Americans have to understanding the unit you just talked about is an old TV program that ran for maybe 15 or 20 years called MASH. And it was a very famous television program. It was kind of a, a comic tragedy program about what it was like to serve soldiers in the Korean War. And it was a mobile hospital. So my guess is that the kind of vicissitudes of hope and despair and all the things that humanity goes through in tragic circumstances are writ large on your people the same way that we would have seen in that television program that most people in America would recognize. But it's a living reality for you, and it's an ongoing unending problem and you don't have units that can swap out as you said it, it seems amazing to me that these doctors could stay on station for 10 months non-stop with no breaks but you do what you have to do for your country and for your own sanity and we need to be praying for those kind of servants i mean having talked to oleg and even oles back in kiev and all the different ways the different kind of fronts they all serve on Oles just lost his friend actually two days ago and I talked to Oles a couple days ago about Tolo because I wanted him to be able to give a proper tribute to him. And it was a beautiful conversation we had. 
And I have great respect for their family and for what God did in Dola's life. And I'm glad we were able to tell that story. And I don't want to have to tell that many more stories from Ukraine. But if God calls them home for serving their country and serving people like you and your children and the future generations of Ukraine, we will tell those stories because it's a kingdom story. God calls people to a living sacrifice. I want that spirit to be alive and well mm-hmm. in your kids and your children's children. I want to be able to be able to tell those stories of restoration in the years to come. I remember the first time I came close to where the immigration line was in Romania and Moldova during that first wave of evacuations, how many of the children had to leave behind their pets, how they would ask us questions of, when will I see them again? What do you tell a kid who's holding a picture of their favorite pet and he's showing it to you because he wants you to love it too? This is actually the topic that I just talked to a couple of days with one of my friends. The interesting thing that amazed me in a bad way, that we as humans, living in 21st centuries, we're successful in lots of directions, industries, technologies. We, we yeah. create some stuff, we, we learn lots of stuff, but we're really, there is like progress and regress, right? So we do right. regressing in human things, in the normal human way. The spiritual things spiritual things and relationship and and you just uh, remind me kids and you know i have like two directions of my ministry of my actions what i'm doing in the wars of this is i have the militaries and i have the civilians right and one of my location it's Kherson, that been under occupation and underwater for half the year yes yes i've been there right after and I have mm-hmm. the orphan there that I've been working with them even before the war. So I don't know how many trips I made to Kherson. And actually compared to the Donetsk front line and Kherson, I felt more safe being on the line zero than in Kherson. Because in Donetsk, you at least know where is the line of the fights. And yes, you can hear and still like, you know, the fighting are going and you can see some rockets front line. Things are very much black and white there. Yeah, you know where is the line. And Kherson, it's still because Russians on another side of the river and Ukrainians now are trying to push them. But they they have just like constant shelling. So you don't know where the next rocket will fall. You don't know what the next happens. Oksana Gorbanova and I continue our conversation on frontline faith in action in Ukraine on tomorrow's program. Please plan to join us right here for that or catch the podcast at our website, CompassionRadio.com. I belong to Jesus, the cross that once was mine, became the curse that he would bear and give to me new life. I am his forever, forever he is mine, my freedom bought and paid for. His blood
grace and now the day that I behold your glory and look upon your face. Robed in holy splendor, like thunder we will stand. The voice of every saint declaring, worthy Passion Radio is still the radio voice of the global church, and that's completely due to the Lord's provision through you. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com, or call us at 1-800-868-2478, or write us, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877.